I'm Mark Haywood, and this is Behind the Spine, a podcast which deconstructs genre and narrative and finds learning opportunities for writers in the most unlikely of places. What we want is that that intimate content is written clearly. So I have a page here from, from normal people. There's absolute clarity. You know, the beats are there. She kisses him. The kiss deepens. She pushes up towards him. That's great. Whether it's the eroticism of Fifty Shades of Grey or the purposefully awkward sex education, we've become accustomed to seeing intimate scenes on the big and small screen. Lovers of shows like Game of Thrones have never felt more uncomfortable sitting down with their parents to watch the latest episode of a series which fuses gruesome fantasy with detailed sexual encounters. But we often forget how uncomfortable scenes like these must be for the actors. Fortunately, on hand these days are intimacy coordinators. Just like a choreographer might teach the sequence of an epic sword fight, these experts specialise in guiding actors through all manner of intimate on-screen moments. Eta O'Brien has advised on many popular shows, including the TV series Watchmen, the aforementioned sex education, and most recently, the smash BBC hit sensation, Normal People. Chapter 1. The importance of respect. Sex and intimacy are a huge part of life, and so understandably, and quite rightly, become a huge part of many stories. So as a writer, you need to respect it. You should never underestimate just how critical it is that you explore the narrative of sex and passion in the right way. And although you're about to hear from an intimacy coordinator... That role hasn't always existed. So how has our approach to intimacy changed in recent years? In the past, when there wasn't the idea that we actually needed a skill um, and a risk assessment for the intimate content, like the best practice would be a director speaking openly about the intimate content, about what was wanted, talking clearly about um, the scene, and then one of two things happening, either the director saying to the actors, okay, you two now go away, work it out for yourselves and come back and show me what you've created, or they'll say to the actors, great, you know what the scene is, let's do it. And they'll put them in front of the camera and they'll just go for it. And of course, actors invariably want to do their best work, want to say yes, don't want to disrupt. um, And so they'll just get on with it. But in both of those scenarios, the actor is not held within a professional structure. So if you're going to go away and work it out for yourselves, invariably you've got two actors who are trying to support each other, go, well, what's okay for you? What's not okay for you? bringing in something of who they are personally, because that outside eye of actually what's wanted to serve this scene isn't held. And then they're sort of trying to honour the scene. But again, it's sort of two people that that mixture between who they are personally and how they're taking care of each other personally, as opposed to what they're required to bring professionally, serving character, all of that's muddied. And then the other scenario where you're in front of the camera just going for it, again, you've got that situation that you're trying to really do your best, but you don't know because it's not been choreographed exactly where the other person's going to touch, exactly what's going to happen, not just where you might be touched, but also where you might be touching the other person. And again, that that mixture between, so you have half a brain on how am I feeling personally and then half a brain on and what's needed for this scene. And again, we don't want that. You know, we want to see our actors completely immersed in that character and without clear choreography, then that the, the just going for it doesn't allow for that. We ask actors to be, at, in normal circumstances, deeply vulnerable um, because they're effectively making mistakes in order to find the truth in the character. And that requires a huge amount of skill training and also a huge amount of courage. This is another layer of vulnerability when you add in the fact that we're asking them to do all of that, but in an intimate setting with somebody they 
barely know. Does that clearly make it even more important that this thing is choreographed and that they need to feel comfortable with what it is they're doing? Absolutely. You know, um, the choreography and the structure of agreement and consent and clear conversation doesn't take away from the fact that if you're going to ask someone to take their clothes off and to perform simulated sexual content, it's vulnerable making. You know, so so we want to do everything to make it professional, um, just the same way as um, with a stunt. You know, there's that fear, that trepidation. If um, if we're going to be doing a sword play, you're not going to say, well, I'll tell you what, let's talk about it clearly. You might have the stunt coordinator there saying, oh, you could bring these techniques in and then say, and you know what, you, you two go away and work it out. We'll give you the swords and you two go away and work it out yourselves. Or we'll give you the swords, jump from onto the camera and now just go for it. Just go for it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes, you'd have you'd have a lot of risk assessment people um, jumping up and down about that. Um, how how damaging could it be if um, I guess the wrong portrayal of him or the wrong approach to intimacy um, were were adopted? Do you is there a danger that in the past we we may have pressurized actors into doing things that they sort of as you said they want to say yes to but end up thinking actually I. I was put in a position that I was deeply uncomfortable with that. How damaging could that be? Do you know what? I did a panel discussion at the Berlinale with an, a really amazing, beautiful actress who has who's lead in one of the um, Danish TV series. And um, she spoke about every single sex scene has cost her. She said, it costs you. And people, I think, were quite shocked that someone of her standing, of her skill is still saying that every single sex scene is costing her um, because of the position that you're put in, you know, and that is, is the truth of it, you know, without a structure, it's sort of that thing of that deep breath and just going for it. You know, I say an actor can go from any, from, from feeling anything from feeling awkward to harassed, absolutely outright abused. And in my time of sharing the work, I always ask, actors to, or no, whoever's present, actors, directors, producers, to speak about when the intimacy has been done well and when it's been challenging. And for example, there was one lady who was there as a director, but she stepped into directing because the last time she did an intimate scene, the experience was so upsetting that she stopped acting. And in fact, the two most damaged people have been two middle-aged men, that when I did that opening circle, one was from theatre and one was from film, and you know how they were speaking about their experiences, experiences that were damaging to them in their 20s. They were still talking about it. It was almost like a first-time disclosure in a counselling session, that they were still that damaged from it and having to sort of take care and um, help support them to sort of, you know, take, take their, their, you know, their concerns to a professional place. You know, so that was like those, both of those men are 25 years, you know, previously you know that damage had happened and yet it's still seriously impacting on those people's lives so so yeah we really need to take care yeah it's fascinating from a from a writing perspective if i mean there are so many examples of um, passion and intimacy hollywood had a had a phase of being in love with the erotic thriller you know things like fatal attraction and basic instinct things like that um i think we've moved on considerably since then but a lot of writers find it hard to approach the subject of passion either because they think they're being gratuitous or they fall into the trap of it being gratuitous or it being told from a single perspective rather than um, an intimate thing between two people not just um, one person in your work 
do you see common mistakes that crop up when you when you read the source material that needs to be shot do you and is there anything you can you can shed any light on in terms of mistakes that writers might naturally make absolutely so um I, I had the joy of working with Jeremy Irons on Watchmen and in my preparation I was researching him and he um in his desert island discs he gets asked about the intimate content in damaged and he said the thing that really annoys me in a script is that you get blah, blah, all the dialogue blah 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 and it has they have sex and that doesn't you know he's saying it's so annoys him as an actor because it doesn't serve him as an actor how do these characters have sex what's the quality of their intimate journey you know what's the rhythm what's the energy of you know from this moment where you finish the dialogue jumping off into the intimate content and um i completely agree so for myself as an intimacy coordinator and particularly with that now we you know what we're inviting is the open communication and all of us as professionals producer director actor cinematographer all serving the writing then the writers as i've been sharing the work going then well, we we need to write the intimate content better and i'm saying absolutely so what we want is that that intimate content is written clearly so i have a page here from from normal people there's absolute clarity you know the beats are there she kisses him the kiss deepens. He moves his hand down her body. She pushes up towards him. That's great. Then, then my job as the intimacy coordinator in support of the, um, the director's vision, we follow that. We're absolutely honouring, you know, that, that journey through the intimate content. But also what I'm inviting, just as we're inviting with um, the, the, the role of the intimacy coordination and that shift to really working professionally with the intimate content is that we use professional and adult and open language around the intimate content so that we don't use language that objectifies, titivates or infantilizes. So you're not saying, oh, your tits and, um, you know, and your ass. Um, you were talking about breasts and buttocks. So, so really inviting writers where the um, character might say, show us your tits you then write the, the instructions of she, she undid her blouse and exposed her breasts. So again, as the actor reading it, that the actor personally doesn't feel objectified while the, the character might be objectifying that character. Yes, that makes sense. It does, but it addresses the Jeremy Irons point, which is, um, if, if I understand you correctly, what he's saying is, you know, they have sex. He's saying, as an actor, I can't play that. But yeah. what you just read out from the normal people script, that is something that those two actors could definitely play because it gives them clear instructions as to what physically you want to happen. And then you build the emotion in, in terms of the kiss deepens. That is a very clear instruction to a set of actors, correct? Yes, absolutely. I had another situation where um, I was working on a production where the lady was the writer as well as the actor of it. So in an actor-director rehearsal, yeah, and again, she'd written it and it was sort of, I can't remember, again, it was quite sparsely written as to what actually happened within the intimate content. And then she was she was saying, oh, but it's this and this and this. And I'm going, hold on a minute. You have absolute clarity, the whole structure, the whole shape of this intimate scene. You, you've got it there. You know it absolutely in every detail. I want to honour that. And I was saying, why haven't you written it? And she was saying, well, I didn't want everybody to be inside my head, you know, regarding the detail of that. And, and um. But that is what we want. And I'm saying, well, we will write it, write it for us, because then we can honour it. And then you will get, as a writer, exactly the intimate content that you can see and then that you want. And then you'll be satisfied because then we'll just make sure that we create that. Chapter two, 
challenging your perceptions. It's becoming clear now that writing an accurate and detailed account of what's unfolding is incredibly important in allowing an actor to interpret a sexual scene in a realistic way, but also to allow them to feel respected while they're acting. It's something to take note of when writing. You wouldn't build up to an epic fight scene and simply say, and then they fought, and leave it at that. Well, the same goes for intimacy. Try and think about how you can appropriately convey what's going on in a meaningful way. You might need to think differently. It might take courage to imagine a character's sexual desire if it strays far from your own feelings around sex. In the same way that Grey's Anatomy has a team of medical consultants on staff, you may need to seek advice. But if you challenge yourself to walk in someone else's shoes, then the characters you develop and the relationships you foster, they'll be much stronger for it. We all have our own personal and private sexual expression. We all, you know, we all have our own different way that we connect with our loved ones and then through to our intimate um, expression. So everybody's different. And we want that, we invite, you know, that, that, that individuality. So the more the writer can, can write the intimate content for these characters, you know, for these characters through into their intimate expression. And like with normal people, that's absolutely what we were focusing on. And then the narrative can be all about that, you know, so that also what I'm inviting is that we want to keep, we want to really have, or the structure invites that clear divide between who you are and your personal and private self, your personal and private body, and your personal and private expression of your intimacy should never come into your professional work. And we want all the discussions about who these characters are and then what their intimate expression is and what physicality they get, they they explore. So, for example, you talk about um, Fifty Shades of Grey. So there you have, you know, sort of that fetish exploration um, and the energy of that and the desire for that and what that satisfies, how that satisfies those characters. You know, somebody in their personal lives might have never gone near that. But, of course, if they're going to honour that sexuality and that intimate expression, you're going to research it, you're going to make sure that you understand all the paraphernalia. I would, you know, just as I would do, I'd go and speak to people that engage with that community so I get it right so I get that detail right I honor that storytelling that's um, part of our of our community and I would be asking the, the writer don't just leave it and again if you don't know if you have an idea of what that sexual expression is so perhaps you're a heterosexual person and you're writing a queer lesbian intimate scene you know you might have an idea about it but that's not enough go do your research as a writer Go and talk to that community, get books, read about it so that you make sure that what you're writing is also is detailed and correct so that anybody that is from that community will, will feel seen and understood and heard and then, then represented. One of the things I've noticed in recent years as a, as a trend is we're, we're shining a light on things that have traditionally been seen as taboo, um, as, as you mentioned, um, fetish behaviours. Um, or practices. If I think about a show like, and I don't know whether you've seen it, but a show, um, Big Little Lies, um, and I think about the Nicole Kidman character, Celeste, and she, I read interviews with her where she talked about how difficult um, she found um, portraying that. What she's actually doing is the character um, of Celeste uh, is involved in a relationship in which the intimacy between the two people the husband and the wife is actually it's borderline aggressive um to the extent of of abuse but there is a hint that the character of celeste actually quite likes that 
And that's not something I'm guessing that you could approach without huge amounts of attention to detail. But what the intimacy coordination seems to be doing is allowing us to shine a light on that narrative in a way that helps us learn. I, I guess it, we couldn't have done that, say, 20, 30 years ago without that attention to detail. Is that fair? Well, what the intimacy coordination brings is that it because rather than being um, something that 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 again is not discussed, not talked about, and the actors just go for it, then you can't bring that detail in because it's the the intimacy is is performed in an unconscious place and also it's not repeatable. So yes, as with the intimacy coordination brings in that interrogation of why is that scene there? How is it serving storytelling? What are the beats of the scene? Um, what's the energy of that scene? Um, and then we make sure that we honour all of those beats. And yes, so it gives a time and space for, for basically the writing to be absolutely honoured in all of its detail. Chapter three, a duty of care. Picking up on Nicole Kidman's portrayal of Celeste in the HBO hit Big Little Lies, What's important to note is the impact it had on her personal life. If you're not yet convinced of the importance of an intimacy coordinator, Nicole's story will bring it front and centre. In 2017, she told W Magazine that the incredibly graphic and violent sex scenes left her feeling, quote, exposed, vulnerable and deeply humiliated. She said she found herself lying on the bathroom floor in between takes, broken and crying. One particularly pertinent quote from the article is, there wasn't really any rehearsal. It was more on the day we would go in and do it. Yeah, and that that concerns me. But that was at a time, you know, a few years back before the role of the intimacy coordinator was really present. Um, and I would hope that if um, she or, or if anybody is doing scenes like that now, that they actually would work not just with an intimacy, or if, if I was working on those scenes, I'd want to work as an intimacy coordinator in conjunction with a stunt coordinator in order to sculpt and really honour every single beat of those scenes um, and have that journey through from, you know, that they, they talked a lot, didn't they, that the, those that character went from arguments into, into the beginnings of intercourse that was quite violent and then perhaps through into, into more finishing with more loving quality. So, again, I would want to be working with, co-working with a stunt coordinator so that all of that was, was choreographed really clearly, all the safety was put in place of all the stunt coordinator you know, techniques of, like, if someone's going to grab your arm, it's a person who is being grabbed that will push their arm into um so yeah you know as a role of intimacy coordinator i would want to put everything in place that's choreographed i'm not saying that that the quality of that emotional content is not going to be absolutely exhausting and absolutely draining but it should be really clearly you know a really good acting job not someone who's feeling that they're absolutely being abused in the moment the portrayal of intimacy among younger people, you mentioned normal people, the show that you've been working on. I know you've also worked on um, sex education. We're seeing more and more of this. What's the approach that you take to the portrayal of intimacy among younger people? Is it the same as um, people who are more mature or older, or is there an additional layer of coordination that needs to occur because you're dealing with effectively children? <laughs> okay, so first of all, um... I can safely say that all, you know, all of those productions, they're, they're all not children. They're all over 18. However, um, you know, there are several situations where they haven't ever done an intimate scene on set before. So it's first time. And so, yes, of course, there's a real nervousness about that. Um, and so with the intimacy coordination, 
and that shift with the profession, I'm able to say, look, we're going to work in a really professional way. You know, if you liken it to the to a choreographer or the stunt coordinator, then there's real clarity of, oh, right, okay, there's a clear structure, everything's going to be known, and I'm working with agreement and consent and empowerment and autonomy. And then, you know, so working on sex education, the scenes in, in series one with um, Amy Lou Wood and Chris, uh, who plays Top Heavy Steve, you know, so, so I'd done some scenes with Amy and then Chris hadn't done any scenes before, really nervous. Um, we had like about three different sex scenes that, that on the same day, by the afternoon, he's going, oh my goodness, I don't know what I was worried about. It's just like any other scene, going, yes. You know, that's that's exactly what you want. That, that, that realization, actually, when you speak clearly, you put in place rehearsal, it becomes being a thing to get through. And that's what we want. What happens a little bit more with people who are actually more experienced is, you know, so there's a couple of things that are going on. If they don't, if they haven't experienced an intimacy coordinator before, invariably they've got a way that they've worked out how to how to do it for themselves, that sense of shoring up and getting through it. I've had situations where I've offered to do a rehearsal and the, I've heard, I've been told by the second AD, oh, the actor doesn't, re- doesn't want to rehearse because they don't want to make it a bigger thing than it needs to be. And it's like, oh, you know, if only they could understand it becomes a no thing because it's just professional, but, but that's that mismatch. And, and then the other thing that we need to take care of is then you get the, the, the mismatch between someone who's perhaps incredibly experienced, perhaps the whole production is, is around them, but then the person they're co-doing the intimate scene with is someone who's perhaps even a day player, you know, and so, they, so then you have that real uh, mismatch of autonomy and, and, and empowerment. You know, because because the 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 A-lister, you know, is with someone who is is who is in fact very vulnerable. And so, while one person might feel I don't need to do the guidelines because I feel really comfortable, actually, it's not just about them; it's about both people. And the intimacy guidelines and the intention within the industry is just to be a leveler, just for us all to work to the best of our game, taking out that that mismatch of hierarchy, be it. A producer, say like Harvey Weinstein being predatory or, um, you know, coercive or a director being coercive or, in fact, you know, an actor. And then also actually works also the other way around. You can also get, you know, the, the main actor. So I, one of my quotes I use is Michael Fassbender saying that he tries to, to make light of it and make a joke so that he can help to make everybody comfortable. And of course, while that's really generous from him as the actor to take that responsibility, as it were, to help everybody to feel comfortable around the intimate content. Again, that's not his responsibility. And we don't want that to feel that you have to make it again. We just want a structure and, and um, that allows everybody to work professionally, bringing the best of their skill, be it the director or the actor to the content. Excellent. Ito O'Brien, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's lovely to talk to you. Conclusion. A massive thank you then to Ita O'Brien for joining me on the podcast. So to recap, what have we learned? Our writing should portray intimacy respectfully. Sex scenes shouldn't be treated as throwaway moments. Your use of language should fully explore what's happening with the same detail that you'd afford to any other major event in your story. Be brave enough to explore desires and feelings that don't allow with your own thoughts on intimacy, but always keep yourself informed. Ask for help if you're unsure how to correctly portray a specific sex scene, fetish or desire. You have a duty to do it justice. And finally, not a tip for writing per se, but remember how difficult some of these scenes are for the actors. Understand that while these people perform on screen for our pleasure, 
They may be confronted with difficult emotions and they deserve your empathy and respect, always. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Haywood. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook as at Behind the Spine. New episodes are released weekly. Please like us and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Coming up next week, we'll be in conversation with Sam Loveridge, Global Editor-in-Chief of Games Radar. Games are a fantastic storytelling medium. There are beautiful elements of all games, and especially when it comes to storytelling and, and the way that the visuals are used to tell a story, even without any words. Goodbye for now. Stay safe and keep writing.